fellow adventurers. Welcome to a Nat One Life podcast series called Homebrew Heals. Here, my sister Amanda and I will talk about our different journeys we have taken or are still on to resolve our medical issues. From gut issues to skin issues, we have experienced a lot in our 30 years. We do not have any medical backgrounds, but feel we have rolled high enough in our investigation and health checks and want to share our experiences with you. So come along this journey with us and see what we discover together. Journey with us and start to guide your way through this net one night. Okay, Amanda, you're into witchy stuff, right? So let's say that you're brewing a potion that you want somebody to drink because it's going to cause side effects, good or bad, what have you. It's up to you in the day. Depends what? on the day. Exactly. It does depend on the day. And if I'm willing to deal with the consequences of my actions. <laughs> well, when you're prepping your spell, do you have it in mind that it's going to take action? Or that it will take effect as soon as it starts getting broken down by the body? Or does it have to wait until it gets to a specific point in the body? Mm. Well, <clears throat> I would say with any type of like brewing of anything, coffee, soup, magic potions, um, the intent is that it would be absorbed and processed by your body as soon as it enters. But I think the reality is, just like with food that we may eat, <laughs> like I drink a glass of milk, I'll be in the bathroom in five minutes. Mm -hmm. I drink a glass of water, maybe in a couple of hours, I'll have to go pee, not shit my brains out. So there's obviously a way that we're processing things differently. And that's a very simplistic example, the water milk situation. But I think it would be naive of me to say, oh, yeah, it should work immediately. Um, because what we've learned so far is like certain things get absorbed and broken down by different parts of the body, which it fascinates me because mm -hmm. like my estrogen that I take every day is metabolized by my liver, but mm -hmm. I eat, I, I consume it in my mouth. Obviously it goes into my stomach, but it's actually not metabolized by my body until it hits my liver somehow. So then my brain's like, well, how the fuck did it get there? Mm -hmm. Well, and that's like, that is crazy. So because ultimately what we're told, and I remember learning this when I was younger and whatnot, because I, I, I have a, a story, like every, like it's one of those moments in life where things just start becoming connected, you know, mm -hmm. but I remember learning like that when you eat food or you're drinking, whatever, consuming, the first step is breaking that down in the mouth. And that you're supposed to like chew a certain amount of times if it's solid mm -hmm. foods because you're forcing your saliva to mix with the food and your saliva is what's breaking it down first. So if you don't yep. start chewing and if you don't mix in with that saliva, then you're it, it's almost like you're either intentionally or unintentionally halting a part of the digestive process. Yeah, well, and 
you know, you think about when you start, or not maybe you, but when I start doing this research, kind of similar to what you're saying, it's like flashbacks from childhood come. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what? Oh, that's why they wanted me to chew my food. You know, like it wasn't, mm-hmm. they're always like, make sure you chew. <laughs> don't swallow. Don't put so much in your mouth. You're going to choke. Don't, you know, yada, yada, yada. But I think it's one of those things. And we talked about this on our podcast, like at the very beginning. But do you remember that pot roast story I told you? Yes. I okay. still think about it. Right. So I think it's like very similar where it's. We don't know why we're doing what we're doing anymore. Like, mm-hmm. why does our mom say don't put so much food in your mouth? Well, maybe because in the past, way back in the day when we're all cavemen and somebody tried to swallow this massive thing and his esophagus ruptured and he died. Right? They're like, oh, shit, we got to chew our food a little better, you know, like or maybe we shouldn't take such big bites like evolution within a species and all of that, regardless of what you believe in happens. You can see it even technologically within the last 100 years, you know, historically speaking. And so. It makes me like getting into the science behind digestion, it makes me realize like, oh, there's there's reasons why parents and adults say certain things to kids, mm-hmm. even when, without knowing the actual science behind why they're saying it. And not only that, but it's also like making me realize that, yeah, our parents would tell us you got to chew your food, you know, or that doing certain things like that are important for one reason or another. And it might be a situation where they don't even know they're just passing down that tribal knowledge. Right. Mm -hmm. But I remember going into the dentist when I was younger and they were looking around and I have been very lucky and fortunate to have a very good set of teeth. And I have had several dentists tell me, Oh man, you have a large production or not necessarily like an overproduction but you have your glands <laughs> where you salivate <laughs> they do it very well like you have a lot of saliva in your mouth and I was like that's weird like you why got would a you say that mouth. right your like juicy it was it's <laughs> being younger it was mm-hmm. awkward <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't it's know it's just but- funny because oh. it, you realize how dentists are really interested in the mouth yeah. and everything like that. So he probably found it great, like fascinating. Like, oh, this is amazing. Well, this explains why your teeth are so great. And you're like, okay, weirdo, stop talking about my spit. Oh, I finally had to ask. I finally had to ask one dentist. And I'm like, all right, you're not the first one that's told me this. Why Why do you bring this up? Like, why is this a fascinating or a good thing? And they explained, they're like, well, saliva helps break down food, right? I'm like, right, I remember that. And they're saying, well, your the food gets stuck in your teeth and you have bacteria on your teeth. Like your mouth is disgusting, like yeah, just naturally, one of the right? Dirtiest places, yep. Right. So saliva is helping. So if you have an overabundance of saliva, you have extra help breaking down the bacteria and like the bad things in your mouth. So yeah. I was like, oh, well, that's well, not. And that's why they tell people to chew gum after Mm. eating. It moves the saliva around in your mouth, number one. Number two, it has uh, most gum has xylitol in it. And xylitol actually strengthens your enamel on your teeth. 
And so you chew it, you're helping your teeth, you get a nice little treat, you know, whatever. Um, And then also it can help with congestion because you have a lot of lymph nodes in your face and neck, like underneath. And so the motion of chewing actually, okay, so if you put your hand like on the bottom side of your chin, the under Mm -hmm. part of your chin, and it's soft, right? You can, when you're talking and everything, you can feel your tongue moving. Right. Right. Okay. So when you're chewing it on the either side, closer to the back of your jaw, there are two lymph nodes. Yes. Okay. When you're chewing and stuff, those will actually massage. Oh. And so it can help to like drain like sinus drainage. And so um, on TikTok, there's been a lot of these things where you see people doing these like facial massages with yeah these uh I don't know they look like stone whatever like these little stone scoopy things yeah what they're doing is very similar to just like the chewing process but they're actually doing it from the exterior and like moving the congestion down and back and so it's the same thing so chew some gum I keep gum in my car I keep it in my purse it's just a nice way to be like my mouth feels funky. It sounds weird to say chew on some sugary gum, but the sugar that's used in most gum is xylitol to sweeten mm-hmm. it, and it's actually good for your teeth. Interesting. Anyway, saliva. No, that's so, awesome. Have you seen on um, or with your child, like uh, science experiments around saliva, where um, – I can't remember if we did this with Katie or Tim, but you take like a little piece of egg, oh, okay. white. So you're testing protein breakdown and you put it in a glass of water for or a jar of water for a couple of days. And then you take another piece of egg white, same size, and you put it in a jar of saliva and you wait a couple of days and you'll see that the egg does start to decay in the water, but not as rapidly as it does in the saliva. And that's because of the stuff that's in our saliva, like bacteria, but also um, like enzymes and things like that Uh that are helping to start the digestive process. So saliva is actually considered a digestive juice. Oh, it is. And it is, I'm sure you may have heard this before, it is the start of the whole process. It is. And saliva, the enzyme that's in it, actually breaks down starches way more efficiently than it breaks down like proteins and things like that. Um, And so I thought that I found that very interesting as well, because then that means that you're starting to break down like bread and pasta, rice, Anything gluten-based, anything um, potato-based, corn-based, starch, mm-hmm. you're breaking those down faster than you break down protein because saliva, the enzyme, isn't breaking down that protein like it's breaking down the starches. Yep. Yeah, so, this anyway. saliva, even though it's the first spot or the first thing that happens in the digestive tract, it uh, doesn't do everything, but definitely helps. Yeah. So what the I, mouth, though. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I, go ahead. I I think we're we're working our way there. Yeah, I was like the mouth, though. Really, the whole purpose is the chewing. It's mixing the saliva with um the food, 
right? Breaking it down into smaller pieces so that when it gets into the stomach, the acid and the enzymes and everything will have a, a easier time to break down the food. Um, so yeah, while it's not like amazing scientifically, it's very important. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and if you think about it, like I'm just looking at a diagram of our digestive tract right now. And so if you think about it, you have your, you start off with your mouth where you're, you know, eating the food and you're breaking it down. Now, breaking it down, saliva and chewing, it is to help like fit it into your throat and esophagus. That way it easily slides down. So that way when it gets to the stomach, the stomach acid doesn't have to do too much else other than start to really like mush it down into more of like a liquid. And then it gets to the large intestine where we're adding those like um, the bile uh, from the liver and whatnot to break mm -hmm. it down even further. So if you don't take this first step of chewing it down, not only do you run the risk of choking because you it's too big for your throat or esophagus, but then you run into the issue where your stomach has to pick up the slack from what the mouth didn't complete. And mm -hmm. so then you're just one step behind the process all the way through, which you can sometimes tell and see because your food comes out like whole. whole. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not. Oh, look, there's down. those corn kernels I didn't chew. You're right. And those, those ones are the hardest because they especially like our track has a hard time breaking down. Yeah. But but yeah, like. Exactly. Like you start to see those whole foods in your in your poop and whatnot. And it's like, oh, maybe I should have chewed it a little bit more. But don't you find it interesting the. The competition that your body's processes has with. The life in the world we live in, like, OK, so I think about your lunch break, right? Mm hmm. I don't want to say me right now because my situation's a lot different. I can take however fucking long I want to eat because I'm at home. But, and not working. But when I was working, it was like maybe I would have 10 minutes to cram some food in my face. Or I'm cramming, like, listen to the words I'm using. Cramming mm -hmm. food in my face. Because you need calories to survive. You need like we've been talking about, guys, more than calories, all this good gut flora, you need good bacteria, you need micronutrients, phytonutrients, all the colors of the rainbow and vegetables, and you need time to digest your food properly, which means chewing yeah. it properly, swallowing it, taking your time so you don't overeat. One of the things we had already talked about is it's better to eat slower because then your body signals like we talked about when we discussed the importance of the stomach and digestion yep your stomach is sending out hormonal signals to your body to say okay we're full but if we're not giving that time the lag time that the stomach needs to process because there is a lag time i think it's like what 15 20 minutes or something then you will overeat and then yeah. you'll feel even worse and you know so it's like this constant churn so i'm when I was doing this research, the thing that kept popping into my brain was how do people that work in environments like yourself, in corporate environments where their time is not their own and everything is dictated to them, make it so that they can eat a healthy lunch and actually process it 
in a way that's good for their body. It's tricky. And I am, so first of all, like you were saying, cramming food into your face to try and like eat lunch as quickly as possible or, you know, just what have you. It is recommended that you chew your food 32 times before swallowing. I'm pretty sure I chew my food 10, 15 times less than that, and it's down the hatch. Well, and I mean, that's once per tooth, right? Yeah. One bite per tooth. Oh, yeah. If you have 32 teeth in your head, yeah, which you most people do. That way. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so you're not. And then it's like, what? I, I just. We talk about root cause problem solving in this podcast, too, a little bit, guys. And I'm just saying, like, then you get the post-launch fatigue uh-huh. and all of these things. And it's like, maybe there's a story being laid out here. I don't know. Maybe other countries in Europe where they take the two-hour siesta in the middle of the day to, you know, consume their food and talk with their family and do all those things might be on to something, you know. Just saying in America, United States. <sighs> we need to get our shit together. Like always, I agree. Mm-hmm. Well, I also found, so, okay, focusing in on saliva in the mouth and whatnot. Yes. Here's some facts that I personally found interesting. Um, For whatever reason... I could have swore the throat and the esophagus were the same. Like no, they there are, are two tubes in there. Well, no, like they're they're connected. It's just that your throat is the beginning portion and your esophagus <laughs> is the bottom portion. Well, and you have your trachea, which is where you breathe. Because right. we don't breathe through our esophagus, but it's right. It's the your epiglottis covers your esophagus. When you're, or your trachea or whatever, when you're breathing. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And so I did not, for, I, I assumed that like your throat and your esophagus was, were kind of like one in the same. Like two words for the same thing. Essentially. Right. So I don't know. Oh, I I, see what you're saying. So so throat is actually also a scientific term. Like there is a throat. Oh, yes. Oh, interesting. So it's like the opening right before the esophagus and the trachea? Exactly. That portion oh. where food and air. It's our food uh, funnel. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm not going to call it a throat anymore. What's that? My food funnel. My food funnel. <laughs> Sometimes it helps me breathe. Exactly. <laughs> so I thought that was interesting. And then. That is interesting. We have three different types of glands that help us give a saliva i thought we only had one but we have yeah wait so we don't just have like a saliva gland you're saying we have like three glands and they're like let's make saliva right now okay i got this part three major pairs yeah we have the parotid glands which are the largest and are on both sides of the face in front of our ears we have the submandibular glands, which mm-hmm. are underneath the jawbone. Uh-huh. 
And then we have the sublingual glands, which are under our tongue. Okay, so there's sets of glands, but it all produces saliva. They're not like they don't each produce a different compound. Correct. They okay. I was about to freak out. They're like, we produce this, and then over here, and then it just mixes (laughs) in your mouth (laughs) and creates saliva. Yes. Our mouth is our cauldron. Right. Hold on, I'm (laughs) activating. So people that can gleek then can probably activate yes sublingual ones i think so i think they maybe have some way of like they they train their muscles yeah yeah sorry gleeking people look it up because i don't know how to even explain it (laughs) shooting saliva from your face i guess i don't know yeah pretty much i'm also really salivating right now because of all of this talk of saliva i wonder if that's a thing well i if you're i do know it is a thing if you talk about food, if you smell food or anything in regards to that, yes, your brain will tell your glands to start creating saliva. That is that has to be some caveman level shit. Right, exactly. It it is our brain's response to say, "Hey, we are preparing to eat." <laughs> yeah, my mouth is watering. Exactly. <laughs> Can you imagine like if caveman just like had saliva just dripping? down their faces like we hadn't learned to control it that was the primary form of digestion and you just like slathered your food and saliva first and then just yeah kind of like a fly like the fly it was so gross i'm gonna wait for that to digest and i'll suck it back up okay yeah so what i found out about saliva since we're on that topic is that it obviously moistens the food, but it creates a food bolus. And that is what we swallow. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like that word. Just an FYI. Bolus. Ugh. Even when I, uh, I hated it. Yeah, I just something gross about it. Um, but the enzyme in saliva is amylase, and that breaks down starches into maltose and dextrin. Um, and so foods that Uh, or as we're eating foods that are starchy will start to be broken down even before they reach the stomach. Um, And because it's the starches, that's where I think we talk about, Oh, you're just eating sugar. So you'll get a quick energy buzz. It's because it's breaking down faster. Mm -hmm. Our body's absorbing it faster. And I also think that I could be wrong. I'd have to look this up, but some of the sugars when they break down actually get absorbed into our bloodstream through our mouth kind of like when you take an edible and you can suck the sugar off and the thc goes through the and i was wondering even with um the reasons why they say not to take certain drugs or not to chew certain drugs to swallow it is because they don't want it activating within your mouth and then getting like your tongue will start absorbing it instead of your stomach absorbing it. Right. Right. Uh, like, have you heard of that? Like, this is something listeners, this is unresearched <laughs> at this moment. This is just something that I have remembered in the past or somebody mentioning before. Well, so I have done some research um, on absorption of things uh-huh. just because of my own issues, my interest in marijuana, 
but then mostly because of was it the last episode we recorded or a couple episodes ago we recorded and we talked specifically about the blood the brain barrier yeah uh-huh and how um thing certain molecules can't slip through they have to be of a specific size so i started doing some research cuz i'm like okay so does this make any sense can't are like so how are some things absorbed through directly into our bloodstream mm-hmm. and some of them like an edible where apparently when you have an edible it's broken down in your liver mm-hmm. the thc and so the high is different because of how it's being converted in the actual chemical structure correct of the thc right so most uh chemical compounds like glucose and things like that require a carrier in order to get absorbed into like our bloodstream. So yes. remember we were talking okay. about the GABA and it it was too big to slip through the blood barrier and but the acid that had to break it down was a specific acid that must be present in the stomach because obviously our brain is processing uh-huh. this getting through that barrier somehow. So When you eat something with sugar in it, you would have the presence of both glucose and galactose. And that basically is a form of sugar that would be absorbed faster. So you'll start to see absorption rates (laughs) rates of certain sugars go up like right immediately after you eat it. But then like the glucose would have a longer... Um, time frame to reach the same level because sure. of how your body's absorbing it. Right. Um, I don't know. It's crazy to me because that stuff is just like, I don't know. Yeah, it's no, just, it's just, it's one of those things where it's digging even deeper into the situation, right? So we just covered surface level information. We like, this is high, high level, but now like, really digging deep into how does like the individual cell yeah. react it, it's well, just it's insane yeah it there's is. just so much that our bodies do and we me I, I shouldn't talk for everybody or for you but I abuse the fuck out of my body especially out of like reading after reading all of this and being more educated on the processes that are happening yeah I'm like god god do we treat ourselves bad you know yeah. like physically um, so for the absorption thing, just to go back to that for a second, a lot of it has to do with the enzymes that are breaking down our food along each section. Um, and the way that we're taking in the things to our body. So like one of the things is people use coconut oil, MCT oil, mm-hmm. because it's very fast absorbing. And it's one of those ones you can sit in your mouth and it will absorb whatever is in there will absorb into your bloodstream and it's a carrier oil. That's why they call it that. And so it's must be doing something chemically structurally to the compounds that you're putting in it to allow it to slip between that barrier. Um, But I know specifically for sugar, your mouth has the amylase, which we talked about, which will start to break down very simple sugars 
And then your intestines actually have additional enzymes specifically for sugar. They have maltase, sucrase, and isomaltase. And Mm -hmm. so sugar is primarily broken down in your intestine. And so that's why people get the sugar shits. So you eat so much sugar. Let's talk about like you drink a soda. Okay. We did a whole episode on soda. You drink a soda, drink a soda. I'm convinced that this is half of my poop problem is sugar because I've cut out more sugar now because of no wheat, no gluten and dairy because gluten and dairy people are sugar. If you look at how starches break down. Yeah. It's sugar. It comes. It all breaks down to sugar. And so in lactose is a milk sugar. It is just straight up sugar. Um, So when you're breaking it down and when you're eating that much dairy, you're eating soda, et cetera, people will talk about, I have diarrhea all the time. I have the sugar shits. I had too much sugar last night. So now I'm crapping my brains out. Well, it's because you're the most of your sugar digestion occurs in your intestine. So you're creating this poop, right? And everything's getting broken down. And then all you have is this tons of sugar that is immediately completely broken down and now it just gets shit out quickly yeah because there's no fiber or nothing else beneficial holding everything together right um on the flip side it's a very quick efficient form of energy when you just look at sugar as from a caloric standpoint and how your body breaks it down there's a reason why athletes and people like that will use those glucose packets mm-hmm, right before a workout because yeah. they need or they're in the middle of a marathon and they need a quick burst of energy yeah that shit's going to break down fast it's going to start breaking down in your mouth and completely break down in your intestine instead of having to work through your whole digestive system yeah dang anyway saliva All right. is pretty cool Well, to close this out, I found some fun facts about the digestive system on Healthline. And one of them, oh my gosh, Amanda, I want to tell you so bad. Ooh, tell me. Okay, so I'm just going to go through some of them. First one, the average person produces two pints of saliva every day. Ew. That is two cans of soda, people. That's gross. Um... Some people may not know, but the muscles in your esophagus, that is the lower portion of your (laughs) your throat, Uh, it acts like a wave to move Mm -hmm. the food and uh, drink down to your stomach. Um, uh, Where was it? A platypus doesn't have any stomachs. How does it digest its food? I have no clue, but they That's told weird. me there are no stomachs. Because a platypus is a mammal that lays eggs. Mm-hmm. Which I think is weird. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> your stomach growling uh, mm-hmm. does actually have a name. I'm going to butcher it. Borborgimic. <laughs> Sorry, people. But it happens <laughs> all the time. Apparently it happens all the time. It's just when you start to hear it, that means that you have less food in your stomach to muffle it, to muffle mm-hmm. the sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can hold like up an the empty floor. room instead of yeah, a exactly. <laughs> just like an echo, <laughs> so everybody can hear. Uh. Um, aerobic exercises are the best type of exercises to keep your digestive tract in shape. 
Mm. Okay. Okay. They're not my I mean, favorite kind. Oh, I didn't know that. Hiccups can be caused by a change in temperature that happens suddenly. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. It's anyway, just like the weather system in your body. You know, it really like is. A high pressure system just entered. I have the hiccups. It's a storm a brewing. Amanda, the yeah. final, final one that you just need to know. When you are a firstborn, you don't have any of the healthy bacteria your system needs to digest food. Wait, what? When you're firstborn? When you are firstborn. Okay, not when you're a firstborn. No, when you That's are what, firstborn. I was like, how does that work? Just right? like, you were number one, you don't get any of that shit. <laughs> no, when you are firstborn, you yeah. don't have any healthy bacteria. Your system needs to digest food. Yeah, that's why breastfeeding is so important. Exactly. Isn't that crazy, though? Like, you think you're born ready to go. Like, obviously, you can't, like, chew food yet, mm-hmm. understandably. But you would think that, like, ultimately, your your body's just growing, right? right. No, it's still lacking. That's insane. That really is crazy to me because you would think that we would be born like it just is. In, it's so impactful then to your very first years of the food that you're being introduced to and how it's potentially forming your gut and whether or not you're genetically predisposed to certain intolerances, you wouldn't even know. And so you're right. kids something that. So, like, when they say <laughs> you're introducing food to babies, you're you're not just, like, introducing them to a different kind of food, like vegetables, fruit, meat, what have you. No. Like, you're teaching their stomachs, like, hey, this person, this human being that your microbiome is residing in, we got to test and see it, if it can handle this kind of food and, like, break it down. Because, sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, like, potentially, you're right. Like, this could be the reason why, like, some people can't handle some types of foods is because when they're a baby, they don't have everything necessarily ready to go. And so, Mm -hmm. depending on when they're introduced to the foods and how they're introduced to the foods, they can have an impact. Well, and I just think about, too, like, the history of breastfeeding and... There's a lot about breastfeeding in um, social media and stuff like that today. I think there's like kind of two movements. One that's like the free the nipple kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, it should be publicly acceptable. And I'm on that side, like all of that. Um, but one of the discussions is around how long, how long oh, do you yeah. breastfeed? Uh-huh. And some people are like breastfeed as long as you possibly can. And others are like, if they can ask to choose steak, then maybe they don't need to be sucking on your tit. Right. Um, I'm, I don't care, like, to each their own. Um, there's a lot around, like, sexuality around mm-hmm. that, because in our culture, like, breasts are sexualized so much, and so I think that's where people get all up in arms about it, but yeah, scientifically speaking, from what our studies and what you're telling me, it seems like there'd be a very 
strong argument to continue breastfeeding, especially until you really know, like, if you're able. Like, Sarah and I both had terrible breastfeeding experiences, so. Yeah. Sometimes you just can't, (laughs) and that's totally fine. But, like, if you are able, until you can figure out your child's intolerances or have a actually build them a complete microbiome without annihilating it with antibiotics. Right. Yep. Because if you think about that, we give antibiotics to our kids all the time. They get an ear infection. Here's some antibiotics. Well, now you just yeah, cleared out all the work. It out. You cleared out all that work. Um, so it's just intriguing to me. Like, I actually think there might be an argument to continue breast breastfeeding just from a gut health perspective. Well, and, and thinking about it, like, I'd have to do more research into it. But could you imagine, like, not all mothers have access to all types of foods, right? And right. so when you're breastfeeding, maybe you don't eat a specific time kind of fruit. Uh, sorry, I'm thinking about fruit because it only comes out during like the summertime. We, I can up here in the Northwest, I can't get some types of food during the winter because it's just, it's impossible. It goes bad oh, yeah. or it's so or like high strawberries are so hard to get. Yeah. Or you get them and they're not good because obviously they were grown in a lab somewhere. Right, exactly. Or, or it, like, Mexico. it took so long for the shipping mm-hmm. shipment to get up to us that they're just they're just bad. So if you like thinking about I was only able to breastfeed my son for three months. That's like not like one season. Yeah. Which means that there's a whole other group of foods that I didn't get to eat and share with my son. Yeah. And you didn't, you know, and it's like, we should really talk about the power of breast milk on here because there's a whole process that that goes through, right? And Mm -hmm. so it's not just, oh, I had watermelon today that you've never had. That's part of it because you can see babies react, like food sensitivity reactions. If you Mm -hmm. eat something and then they're drinking your breast milk, it's an indication they're going to have an allergy or something, you know? Anyway, it's just crazy. Um. Every time we talk about shit, I feel like I, my mind gets blown at least Mm -hmm. once. See? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So the only fun facts that I had were um, that the name of your esophagus muscles moving and your intestine muscles moving is called peristalsis. And so that's that wave that Sarah was talking about. Your lower esophageal sphincter So you got like a little sphincter butthole situation up in there. Um, It's what allows your, um, it allows your esophagus to open and then empty the contents, the bolus into your um, stomach. And then it closes again and it actually prevents food from flowing back into your esophagus. Yeah. And so if you ever have a backflow issue like that, you might have an issue with your esophageal sphincter. Um, not closing. Now I know I have damage to mine because of um my intestinal my stomach issues. The juices if they get too high, they'll splash up on the sphincter and your sphincter is not protected by that lining mucus. Mm-hmm. And so um that's what people call heartburn. It's yep. really acid reflux. So that acid is is splashing up there and it causes the burning sensation. And that can cause damage to your sphincter. Well, last fun fact is 
after your stomach processes everything and it starts to empty its contents into your small intestines, the contents of your stomach is all actually called chyme. And it's a thick liquid of partially digested food and digestive juices that moves into the small intestine for further digestion. And that stuff is like gray. Yeah, because it hasn't been mixed with the bile yet. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. that's right. Yeah. So anyway, I thought that was all really interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to, to hear people's experience like about this part of their digestive system. Like, have you thought about it? Rolls saliva has played in your life um, and or breastfeeding. Let us know your thoughts on that. Yeah, I definitely think breastfeeding will be an episode here in the future. Yeah, I could talk about mastitis. Yeah, share that story because that yeah. was insane. Let me tell you guys, bacteria passes both ways when you're breastfeeding. Why so, <laughs> I. And those mouths are dirty, just like Sarah said, including babies' mouths. Yeah, they are. So gross. Thank you, adventurers, for joining us today. We hope this helped you find tips and tricks to loot the booty. Find us on natonelife.com and check us out on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, to follow us more on our day-to-day. May your poop be regular and bubbles minimal. Stay Stay sassy sassy and gassy. gassy. Till next next time. time. Nice. Child of love, a nat one life, a nat one life. You work all day and make no pay, and debt is mounting every day. A nat one life, a nat one life.